Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today you'd like to hear more about, make sure to listen to our weekly podcast called Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take Sunday topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's take a listen to this week's message. Amen. If you're in the room, you can have a seat. If you're at the Frederick campus, good to have you guys. You can have a seat. And if you're online, you probably already have a seat sitting on the couch. So it's good to have you um, with us. And man, good to see everybody. I know it's summer. It's a little crazy, but great things going on. We had a worship night this last week, and uh, tons of people came. And one of the things, if you were there, uh, one of the things that was coolest to me is we sang nine songs. And of those nine songs, eight songs were songs that our team has written about things flowing right out of this place. And it was just fantastic. So, um, man, every time you come and worship, just know this team, man, they are doing some great things, great guys, great ladies that are just leading us. And uh, super thankful for that. Hey, one thing, there's a lot that you're doing this summer, but as we go through summer, we're going to come ramping out in the fall, and we want to make sure that you're ready. And so I want to give you an opportunity, just give you one announcement before we get into the message about something that's coming in September that if you don't sign up for now you're going to miss out. And so if you've been around this place very long at all, you know that we do something every September called Shine Prom. And it is one of the most awesome, wonderful, beautiful, most exciting, joyous times of the year. It's one of the best days we have. And so our Shine Prom is this. We do a special needs prom for our special needs friends. It's, it's teenagers all the way through adults. And uh, we just allow them to be the, the king or the queen of the prom for a night. And we've got hundreds of volunteers, literally, from both campuses um, that sign up to help out with this. And so what I want to do today is just give you an opportunity to let you know that sign-ups for volunteering are, opening, are open right now. And usually what happens is when I say that, somebody, everybody gets out their phones or the people who've been around here get out their phones because they know it will fill up like today and tomorrow. So if you want to sign up and help out with Shine Prom, there's all kinds of opportunities volunteer-wise to do that. You should do that today at latest tomorrow because they will fill up fast, and it'll be awesome. It's September 16th. We're having it at both campuses. And so the Niwot campus, man, sign up and help us out at Niwot. Frederick campus, sign up, help us out at Fred. If you're online and you haven't been here, you should jump in for this one. It's going to be a fantastic thing. And then if you have a special needs child or adult or young adult, um, or if you know someone who does, you'll want to get them registered fast because there are limited spots um, available for that. All right, so jump in, do that today. It'll be great. Hey, I want you to get to Matthew chapter 5. Um, we're going to go to verse 7, the next beatitude in our series, Jesus Manifesto. Would you believe me if I told you? Would you believe me if I told you that God will treat you the way you treat others? I'll say it again. Would you believe me if I told you that God will treat you the way you treat other people? Well, my oldest daughter, my oldest daughter, Grace, is 18 years old, getting ready to be 19. She's got a sister, Maddie, who's 16, getting ready to turn 17. I'm getting old, guys. This is him. And uh, they're growing up, and it's crazy watching them grow up. I was looking at some pictures the other day and uh, remembering when they were really young, and a story came to mind. Um, my oldest, when she was four years old, she's always been like the most energetic, most active, just I mean, the kid is crazy all the time, just always running and going. And when she was younger, um, there would be some emotion that would come out with that. And I remember, you probably know this, is, is different, your kids react differently to different situations. 
And so when grace you just so active, so energetic, and so much emotion would come out, joy and also frustration, when she would get frustrated with her little sister, we just started noticing that she would not just react emotionally, she would react physically. And so it would happen all the time. Like there would be moments where Maddie would just kind of do something, you know, take a toy or whatever. And instead of saying, give me that back, she'd just smack. My, my oldest would just rear back and just smack her. And it might be the shoulder, it might be the chest, push. It, sometimes it was a slap right upside the face. And we just set her down and we said, Grace, you can't do that. Mom would look her in the eye, dad would look her in the eye. I mean, we would ground her, we would like put her in timeout. We would spank her, everyone. We would say, I was like, here's the deal. You can't do that. Like, you don't treat other people that way. We'd we'd teach her the golden rule, right? You treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's just a good, wise way to live. Well, we were camping one time, and as I said, Grace is four years old, and Maddie's two, and we're camping, and Maddie did something, and Grace just turned around and just whack. What she didn't realize is mom was standing right there, and we had dealt with this so much that mom just in the moment reaches down, grabs her little chin, turns it to her, and gives her the slightest little right there. And you would have thought, you would have thought that she did the worst thing ever in the world. Now, if you're ready to call CBS or whatever, just know the statute of limitations has like expired, so don't do that. But, but she just reached down, grabbed that little chin. It was literally about that hard. And Grace looked at her with this just, you can't do that. You know, it was that idea. She didn't say it. It was like, you can't do that. You're my mom. And you see the lips start quivering and the tears start coming. And she starts tearing up. And Jen just gets down. And she looks at her and says, you, look, you need to understand. I'm going to treat you the way you treat Maddie. Would you believe me if I told you that in one area of your life, not in all areas, But in one area of your life, that God will treat you the way you treat others. Now, it's a good thing I didn't say all. (laughs) Because some of you, that that would be like a little whiplash there in the moment. Because you would be like, I know how I treated some people this last week. The looks that I gave, the silence that I gave, the emotional reaction, the words that I said. I didn't say all areas, but there is one area of your life where God does say, I will treat you the way you treat treat other people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, next beatitude in our Jesus Manifesto series, and I'm going to give you a warning right now as we start that this teaching is a difficult teaching. It's not easy. And there will be a moment where there might be a few of you at this campus, a few of you that's at the other campus at Frederick, there might be a few of you online that are like, I'm going to turn this off. I'm going to get up and walk out. I would encourage you just to stay seated because here's what I know is my experience in life is the best things for us in life are usually on the other side of the most difficult things for us in life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You say it again, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now that sounds pretty easy. Doesn't sound too difficult yet. Pastor, what are you talking about? That's, that's, not the, that's not the difficult part yet. But understand that Jesus identifies mercy. The idea of not giving someone what they do deserve. The idea of mercy. He identifies that as the fundamental expression of your relationship with God. Of my relationship with God. Merciful people reflect the acceptance of God. Acceptance of unworthy people. Acceptance of people in the wrong 
accepted of people who have hurt people. They accept everyone based on the understanding that I have received mercy, I have received forgiveness, therefore I am to express the same mercy and forgiveness that I've been given. Question. So if God says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, then what does he say about those who don't show mercy? Matthew chapter 18 21 and 22, start off a story that Jesus tells. And, and I think when we talk about this idea of mercy, when you study throughout Scripture, you don't just get the idea of mercy. Mercy flows into the idea of forgiveness. And Jesus knew that would be hard for us. And so he tells this story in Matthew chapter 18, where it starts off with a conversation with a guy named Peter, which we're all very familiar with. And I don't know what had happened with Peter right at the moment, but he comes asking this question about forgiveness. I don't know if he had run into something. He's got an issue with somebody he's in business with or whatever, but he comes to Jesus and he says, then Jesus came, or Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And I don't know about you, but I asked the question, well, why did he say up to seven times? Well, he said it up to seven times because that was the normal teaching of the day. The rabbis, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, all of that, what they taught people was you are to forgive seven times. But after seven times, draw the line and you are not required to forgive anymore. That person sins against you, you can push them away, you can just cast them out, you can be done with that family member, you can just cut that business deal off, you can say, I'm done with that. Peter is saying, is the line seven times? And Jesus' response raises the bar. He answered I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. The number is irrelevant. The idea is everything here. What Jesus is saying is there's no line. Not seven times, but 77 times. Or in another passage, it's 70 times sevens. Again, the number is irrelevant. Jesus is saying when it comes to forgiveness and extending mercy because of what you have received, there is no line. There is no easy forgiveness. I'll forgive up to this point. But after that point, if you do this or they've done that or that has happened to me, then I draw that line and I will not step over that line and forgive. Jesus is saying, I didn't draw a line. And you shouldn't either. Now he knew we would struggle. He knew Peter would struggle. I can see him just saying that to Peter. I can see Peter just going, what? He's saying, okay, let me give you an example. He dives in. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. So Jesus tells a parable. Understand this parable. It says king. What he's saying, what he's getting ready to tell, he's telling a parable, a, a, a fictional story with a real-life application. And he's saying there's a couple characters in this parable. I am the king. You are the servant. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags, 10,000 bags of gold, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell down on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. Now, there's a lot in that part of the parable right there. So I jumped online this week, and I started just kind of study it out. I was like, Okay, what can I learn from this? I learned two really important things. First, 
The reason the guy had to borrow 10,000 bags of gold was because the price of a gallon of gas in Palestine. That was a terrible joke, man. This guy liked it right there, but that, that was terrible. No, seriously. So I was checking out. I was like, 10,000 bags of gold. Like, what is that? Today's money, what would that be? And so I just found the price of gold per ounce. You do the math, and here's what's really interesting. When you do the math with that, your calculator can't even calculate the number. Have you ever done that? You do one of those math routes, and it just comes like with that E at the end, or it's like one of those 10 to the like 30-second power type numbers. What Jesus is saying here is, again, the number is irrelevant. He's saying this guy owed a debt that would be impossible to repay in his lifetime. And so, again, we're talking about the king is Jesus, and we are the servants. He's saying, you owe me a debt. Like, Peter, get this. We're talking about forgiveness here. You owe me a debt. Your sin puts you at odds with me. It puts distance between you and me. And you owe a debt that you can never repay. But I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. And Jesus did when he went to the cross. And he didn't, just get, he didn't give us justice, what we did deserve. He didn't even just give us mercy, withholding what we do deserve. What Jesus did at the cross and the resurrection is he gave us what? Grace. He gave us something that we did not deserve. He gave us grace, and that grace through grace, he gave us forgiveness and brought, closed the distance with God and brought us back into fellowship with God. Jesus is saying, this story means something here. If I've responded to you this way, then how should you respond? And then he goes on and he says, but, I always hate that when these kind of stories with Jesus, it's where it gets hard. He says, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. I, I don't know about you, but you read that story. If you were to read that story for the first time, like if you've been in church for a long time, you've read that story and it just does not have the impact as it would if you read the first time. If I read this the first time, I'm grabbing that big guy over there and that big guy over there and that guy over there and we're taking that dude out behind the woodshed, right? Because we're talking, like, how much are we talking here? This guy's like 100 bucks. And his debt to the king was like billions. And so the story goes on and it says that the servants reacted the same way. They look at this guy and they're like, you were just shown mercy. He just forgave your debt. He got your family out of jail. You got all your possessions. And you just ran over to that guy who owes you 100 bucks and choked him and said, pay me what you owe me? So they take him to the king. They bring him before the king. And the king looks at him. He says all the same thing. He said, how much did he owe? 100 bucks? How much did you owe? And I forgave you? And then he looks at them and he says, to his other servants, he says, take that one and throw him into prison to be tortured until he can repay the debt. Let's step back for a second. Was it possible to repay this debt? It was impossible. And Jesus gets to his point. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. That's hard. And this is how my heavenly father will treat you 
if you do not forgive your brother or sister or family member or friend or boss or ex, if you do not forgive them from the heart. And we say, no. God treats us in this area the way we treat other people. You're actually saying God wouldn't forgive me. You know there's seven or eight times in the New Testament where God literally says through the writing of Paul or through the writing of Matthew or through the writing of John or Peter, there's seven or eight times where he says, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. And it's not talking in the context of the other person. It's talking in the context of our faith and our spirituality. And we say, no, he couldn't do that. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness, D.A. Carson. Famous theologian says this, Jesus sees no incongruity in the actions of a heavenly father who forgives so bountifully and punishes so ruthlessly, and neither should we. Indeed, it is precisely because he is a God of compassion and mercy that he cannot possibly accept those who are devoid of compassion and mercy. Mercy and forgiveness are the chief evidence, like it's the chief evidence of a follower of Jesus, that you are a person who has received salvation, that you are a person who has received God's Holy Spirit. It is one of the most hardest thing to give, but it is also the thing that says, yes, that is a follower of Jesus. It is the chief evidence of our salvation. Jesus is saying you are forgiven in the same way and to the same extent that you forgive others. Some of you sit there and you say, okay, if that's a Jesus manifesto and this whole mercy thing is really talking about forgiveness, and if you're telling me that I got to forgive the person who left me, I got to forgive the person who abused me, I got to forgive the person who did irreparable damage to someone I love, I got to forgive the person who, you name it, then you're probably, some of you are probably saying, I'm out. And I would encourage you not to be, because there's a thing, again, the best things for us in life are usually on the other side of what's most difficult for us, and God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't just say, hey, this is really hard, you should forgive. He says, this is really hard, and I'm with you, because it was really hard for me too. (laughs) It caused a lot of pain for me too. It cost me a lot, but on the other side of what was really hard was what was best. So how do we do it? Some of you are sitting there and you say, man, I got a name. And you're saying, I don't even know how I would do that. So how do you do it? I, I, I don't know if I've got all the answers on that. But I would say, I think for us to understand how we do it, we've got to understand what forgiveness is not. Like when you step back into a difficult situation, you've got to understand this is what we're not talking about here. And I would say this, forgiveness, number one, it's not easy. Like it's a part of life, but there's nothing easy There's nothing immediate about forgiveness. And as we said, a part of life, if you don't want to learn to forgive, don't get married, right? If you don't want to learn to forgive, don't have kids. If you don't want to learn to forgive, don't have friends. Like we're just all flawed people. And this thing is not easy. And it's incredibly difficult. Why? Because those people that have wounded us, they got names, And they're real, and sometimes we've been really, really close to those people who have hurt us. And it becomes really, really difficult, and you've got a name. Like it may be that it's a mom, 
who's degraded you for years and you just never can get out from under that thumb and it's just difficult. It may be a dad who's got anger issues. It may be a spouse who cheated or left. It may be a person who abused you or someone that you love. It, it could be a friend who betrayed. It might be a church or another Christian that you're like, well, that's not like Jesus, but they, and it hurt. You see, it has names. And here's what I'd say. I, I got a name. I'm sitting there preparing this message two weeks ago, and I'm working through this, and I'm going, I, I think, you know, I think I've kind of worked through this. Like, I got a name, but I think I've worked through it. I'm all good with that. But you know what I began to notice? It's funny how God does this. In the last two weeks, that person's name has come up a few times. You know what? Every time that person's name came up, I didn't have a physical reaction, but I did have an emotional reaction. And I noticed that there were some snide comments that were coming out of my mouth about that person. Some sarcastic comments, some things where I just kind of, and, and even bringing up an extra thing that wasn't talked about in that conversation, and I'm going, I got a name. And obviously, I haven't let go of that little bit of wound that was there. And I'm guessing in your life, whether you sit at the Frederick campus, you're sitting online, or you're sitting right here in this room, you got a name. But here's the thing. You know what else I know? Is there are some people in my life, a couple people that I look back in my past, and you know what? My name's on their list. I guarantee it. And I bet that your name is on somebody's list. And because of what sin did to us, your name and my name was on Jesus' list. And he still went to a cross. And he still shed his blood. And it was not easy but it was the best thing. And the big thing that God is asking of us is he's saying, you got a name, and if you keep dwelling with that wound, what you get is you get bitterness. And the big question about bitterness is, do you want to remain bitter, or do you just want to get better? Do you want to stay bitter, or do you want to get better? There's nothing easy about forgiveness. And the other thing is, there's nothing fair about forgiveness. Like forgiveness isn't fair. Because you think about it, when you forgive some, someone else, it doesn't cost them anything. Like you got that name on your list, no matter what they did, it doesn't cost them. Who does it cost? It costs the forgiver. Timothy Keller says in Reason for God, he says this, he's talking about God's forgiveness and then he switches to our forgiveness. He says, God's grace and forgiveness while free to the recipient, recipient are always costly to the giver. From the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. No one who is seriously wronged, here's what switches, no one who is seriously wronged can just forgive the perpetrator. See, when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness then is costly. And there's nothing about forgiveness that seems fair. What seems fair what seems fair is payback. What seems fair is revenge. But again, Jesus would say, yeah, the cross wasn't fair either. But it didn't bring fairness, it brought forgiveness. Like if you've ever wondered, like if you ever thought, man, I, I, I wondered if God was just, just be glad that he's not just. Or he, the Bible says he is just, but glad when you, that he wasn't just just, That's a, that it wasn't the only thing. Because if he was just about justice, you'd get what you deserved. And I would get what I deserve. But God is a God of forgiveness and mercy, which costs. 
And he did it not to bring fairness. He did it to bring forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? If we're going to move from being bitter to being better, we've got to ask ourselves, what is this process? What is forgiveness? And I would say this, number one, forgiveness is a process. It's not something you just check off your list. It's a process. And it's interesting, when Peter came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Jesus said 77 times. What if Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, this thing is harder than you think it is. And it's a process, and that process may take you 77 steps. It may take 77 tries to just let go and and be able to say, I I forgive this person. And some of you are like, man, I I don't even know what that looks like. What What does forgiveness actually look like? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and he had a great definition. He said, you know what? Forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is when you can look at another person, no matter what they've done, and you are able to say, I wish you well. It is well with my soul, and I wish you well. And man, that's a process to get there. That's a process of letting go, and it may be a process where you say, it's always a process where you say, I need supernatural help with this. Like, God, if you would help me with this, and he goes throughout scripture, and he says all kinds of things about forgiveness, and he says one of those things is prayer. God through it says, it says one of the starting points of forgiveness is when you can begin to pray for someone else. He says, what do you do? He says, pray for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In the Lord's prayer, right before the end, he says, Father, forgive those. Forgive us and forgive those who have sinned against us. Praying, Father, forgive them for what they've done. And Father, I release them to you for you to deal with them. And I wish them well and forgiveness is a process and it's a process that takes time and it may not just be a process that's a supernatural process where God helps you he may actually work through some other people where you may need to jump in share with other friends share with your small group but maybe even get some professional help and say this thing is so big what happened to me was so difficult and so big that I need some help from a counselor to help me through. And one of the interesting things this week, we're going to jump onto our podcast, Rocky Unscripted, and uh, we're going to have a guy named Michael Beamer, who's a Christian counselor here in the area, and we're just going to talk to him about this idea. Michael, what do you do? Like, when it comes down to forgiveness, like, what are the steps? Like, what do you actually do to be able to say about another person, not that I want to hang out with you, not that I want to trust you, not that I... But to set up boundaries enough, but still be able to say, I wish you well. You should tune into that. Second thing that I think forgiveness is, is, is it, it's healing. It is a process of moving from being bitter to getting better. Because not forgiving, man, it's, we all know it, but we don't realize it in the midst of the emotion Not forgiving is about the unhealthiest thing that we can do. And it's not just unhealthy for us. It's unhealthy for those around us because what happens is that anger and emotion ends up that's pointed at this other person usually blows back on other people. Have you you ever, like, been with a kid when they throw dust into the wind? You ever been walking around with your kids? And my kids, if there's like sand or dust or whatever, they will reach down, pick up a handful of my little guys, and they'll chuck it, but they never think about the blowback. They'll chuck that dust into the wind, 
and it blows back on them, but it blows back on me too. Lack of forgiveness is the same way. The bitterness, the anger, the emotion usually blows back not on the other person, but it blows back on us. Forgiveness is a process where we hand the power over to God, the power that someone else has had over us because of what they've done to us. We hand that over to God and say, would you deal with this? It is a process that leads toward healing. And some of you sit there and you say, okay, great. That's great for the little work issues and little family issues that can be taken care of. But Sean, adultery. Yeah, and you want to go throughout Scripture, I'd say that, man, adultery is discussed in Scripture. Like, it's in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus even talked about it. In the law, they talked about it. And it even says that adultery is grounds for divorce. But you know what else adultery is grounds for or an opportunity for? Is forgiveness that leads to healing. And you might say, but Sean, you, you don't know what abuse feels like. Okay, I hear you. Abuse is grounds for separation. Abuse is grounds for running. Abuse is grounds for calling the authorities. Abuse is grounds for separating ties, all of those things. But it's also an opportunity where God says, I want to heal you through forgiveness. And those things are hard to hear. But what would happen if God was able to take those wounds in our life and turn them into scars. I mentioned my 18-year-old. I remember when she was a little bit older than the story I told. She was just learning to ride her bike. And, and dads and moms, you can, you can totally remember these moments. But I taught her to ride her bike. And we were out on kind of our first, like, family little bike ride thing together. And, and I remember she was kind of running out ahead. And we'd always say, Grace, come on back. But it's the same thing I said earlier. She just has so much energy. She's always out there. She's always going. And... And I remember yelling at her and saying, Grace, come on back. Don't go over the top of that hill. Well, she did. And dad just like busted out, chased her. And I got up to the top of that hill. And I looked, back, I looked down. And by that time, you, you know the picture that I'm talking about. She is barreling down this hill. Legs are out like this. Pedals are flying. You know, you know the picture because you've been there. And I'm seeing her go straight toward this curve or this uh, curve and a curb. And I'm just, I'm saying, Grace, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. She does not hit the brakes. She hit that curb. She went over the handlebars. She hit her chin first, her forehead, her elbows, her knees. There was blood everywhere by the time I got her. And I got there, and I just scooped her up, left the bike. We're about a block from the house, and I just walked her straight home. We went straight into the bathroom, and she is screaming. (laughs) And the screaming got worse when the hydrogen peroxide hit the wound, right? And then later that week as we're working through and she's got scabs everywhere. You know what a scab does? What does it do? Is it dries up and then they start playing and running around and they bend that thing and it hurts. And a week later, a week and a half later, and you just keep treating this thing. And what happens? All of a sudden that scab starts falling off. It hurts a little less. And it turns into what? It turns into a wound that has, it turns into a scar that has a pretty good story attached to it, right? And you look back on some of the things that happened in our life, what's interesting about scripture is God says, this is really hard. But here's the thing, 
you don't have to deal with this thing alone. Like I am right there in this and what I'm right there in this to do is I'm in there to help you turn these wounds into what? Into scars. And I'm here to help you take that bitterness and help it get better. And I think here's the thing about this whole forgiveness thing that gets really difficult. Man, I will show mercy to those who have shown mercy. I will show forgiveness to those who show forgiveness. And we think, there's no way I could do that. You can. And what God knows and why God pushes us on this so hard is because he says it's one thing to live wounded. It's another thing to live scarred. Like because wounded people walk around in life and they keep experiencing the pain of those wounds. They keep reliving the situation. They keep saying in their mind what I do to that person. They keep wishing them harm. They keep just getting angry. All of those things. And they don't heal. It was interesting when Jesus came back from the cross and he appeared to his disciples the first time. They were up in a room together and he looked at them and he said, look at my what? If you actually look at the Greek language, he didn't say, look at my wounds. He said, look at my marks. Look at my scars. Because here's the thing. Your wounds don't have to hold you there forever. God can help heal those wounds. And he can turn them into scars. Right? And scars, they still have the memory. I'm all right with living scarred because scars still have the memory but they don't constantly bring back the pain. And what's interesting about scars is if you look at Jesus, when he came back, man, he just didn't forget. We're not talking about forgetting about the whole thing. He didn't say, what cross? He came back and said, look at my scars. And it said the point of those scars, going back to where he was wounded, the point of what had healed into scars that unleashed the greatest power in history to forgive and to love and to change the world. And what if... Man, what if in our life, what God's saying is, I want you to move from being bitter to just get, I want you to get better. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time. But out of that, I can actually use your scars to help someone else heal their wounds. If you'll be willing to allow me to. We're going to take communion. And, and I want to just encourage you, just as you pull out your communion, I, I want us just to think through this whole thing for a minute. Man, mercy, we'd love to say that, God, why don't you treat us the way you want to be treated? <laughs> the golden rule. God says, I do in every way except this one. Because it's so much of a part of my character that I cannot accept someone who won't extend the mercy and grace that they've been extended. We're not talking about forgetting. We're not talking about re-engaging in a relationship we're not talking but we're talking about creating boundaries and saying god i'm just going to let you deal with this so i can be well in my soul and wish someone else well in theirs we're going to take communion and here's what i want you to do i want you to give you an opportunity to do two things first is this i want you just to thank god for the forgiveness you've received because you were on his list of those who'd sinned against his son, and he sent his son to go to the cross so you could be off that list and on another one. And then I wanna give you an opportunity to do something a little more difficult. And that thing is to start the process of forgiveness. To potentially just say, God, I, here's a name. It's on my list. 
And some of you may struggle more than others. Some of you say, hey, I, I don't really have a whole lot. Well, just you spend your time with God thanking him for forgiveness. But for those of you who do, what if you took that name and you just released it to God and said, God, here, today I give this to you. I don't know what to do with it, but I'm going to start praying for this person. And praying starts now. God, heal my heart and help me to be able over time to release them and wish them well. And then this week, pray it again. And pray it again. Because here's what we live in. We live in this world that is just at war with each other. Like you look around politically right now, you look around relationally right now, you look around in every single way. We live in a, war, in a world that is at war with itself. And what does it need? It needs a people who will extend the same mercy that they have received. And what happens in a world is over time, if every single person in this place would go out of this place and live that way, it would get noticed. And if more people begin to extend that mercy, it would get noticed. And there might be just a way that the way Jesus did it and the disciples did it, you're like, ah, I don't know if we could affect. Twelve people did. And it changed the world. It might change your relationships. It might change your family. And it might move you from being better to getting better. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of time for you to take communion and do those two things. And we're going to sing a song that I think we need to sing. Lord, I need you. Because we do. Because forgiveness takes faith. Let's pray. Father, I, I just ask that right now you would remind us of the debt that has been forgiven for us. Father, remind us that no matter what has been done to us, it, the amount that has been done to you, you're the one saying this. And you've had to experience more, put up with more, and forgive more than any of us will ever imagine. And you say... Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And so, Father, I pray that we will release somebody today. And that maybe in the process that you would release us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.